a lost person. It's what we get to do. I got a text yesterday from Kat's sister, Julie. Many of you know Julie, Julie Sams. And in the text was uh, that song. So we used to sing that song when uh, at youth camp. And I showed it to Pastor Mark. He said, oh, I remember that song. And so just yesterday they said, I think we're going we're gonna to sing it right before you give this message. And this message just stems out of what's going on in this building. Uh, we're, we're in week two of hosting the Assistance Center for the train company for the derailment and for the citizens of East Palestine and the surrounding areas who have needs. And uh, when the door opened for us to do that, which you know came about, just the mayor of New Waterford lives right here. And he he asked, called me, called us. Uh, we called on a couple of different occasions when this was unfolding, and it, as it turned out, we got to move the center here and. For many of you, many of you know, uh, our word for 2023 is invite the stranger. Based on that passage where Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. And part of that is inviting the stranger. And uh, for uh, two solid weeks, every single day, hundreds of strangers have walked through these doors. Some of you are in this room today, and uh, we're grateful for that. Um, Last Sunday, this sort of message came specifically out of last Sunday, uh, and tied to the whole to the whole outreach we get to do here. But but last Sunday, we um, of course we're going to be hosting the the the, uh, assistance center, and we also had a chili cook-off planned. And so, leading up to last Sunday's chili cook-off, we're passing out flyers. To everybody's walking the door saying, "Hey, you're invited to chili cook-off. We're going to feed everybody that's here." And uh, and uh, in, you know, in the back of my mind, it's like I have no idea how that's going to happen, but uh, but uh, but whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we're going to do it. And and last Sunday, uh, right as service was ending, Matt Holden uh, was working out there, and he comes comes in the room and says, "Hey, because our, our goal." Our goal was to make sure everybody that was in there getting assistance got fed, and it got fed first. And uh, and he gives me a mess, comes in and tells me, "Hey, they're they're already eating, they're already eating before we're even ever out of the room." And uh, and we all you know we all went out and people ate. We had plenty of food. Uh, there were stuff people took home. Uh, and. Uh, a couple hours later, we're still, you know, of course, the center's still open, so we were here several hours later, and at one point, I just came in the sanctuary, and I just cried for about an hour, saying, Lord, how did you do this? <laughs> how did, how did, how? Pastor Don used to say, what was the line Pastor Don would say if there was some challenging thing before us? He'd say, how are you going to pull that off? How are you going to pull that off? And those who don't know who, who Pastor Don, Pastor Don was our founding pastor, who is now with Jesus, but uh, I heard that I heard that numerous times throughout the last two weeks. How are you going to pull this off? How are you going to pull that off? And I heard I heard his voice uh, saying that, but he never had any doubt that if we trusted Jesus, that we could pull off anything, and he would help us to do it.
So that's where this message uh, came out of. And as I was, as I was uh, preparing for it, putting it together, it came across this particular version in the Living, it's the Living Bible. I don't think all versions use this phrase, but, but, uh, but it caught my attention. And I was like, I'm going to start right here. Uh, because this is really this is this is sort of the crux of of our walk. Uh, this is Paul. He says, "Now I have given up everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again, and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. So whatever it takes, that's what he says. This is Paul's words. So whatever it takes." I will be one who lives in fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. Just pause on that for a minute. Chew on that for a minute. Put yourself in the equation, but don't do it lightly. Don't do it lightly. But I still encourage you to put yourself in the equation. I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life. Now, the only way to do that is in Christ. There's, There's no newness of life apart from him. So the only, only part of the equation is Jesus and then us saying, yes, I will be the one to do that. So whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I will be that one who lives in the fresh newness of life, uh, those who are alive from the dead. I don't mean to say I'm perfect, and we're here to declare that, that just because we're in Jesus doesn't mean we're perfect. We are still works in progress. Not one of us has arrived. Not one of us has can, can make any claim that because of Jesus we have reached, we've reached the epitome of who we can become. No, we're still, we're still being worked on. We're still being refined. And Paul says that. I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should yet, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I'm still not all that I should be but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling uh, us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. So it start, that's the starting point right there, acknowledging what did Christ do for us? He died for us. He died for us. He died if you were the only one on earth, we've, and, it's a, and it's, it's a cliche, but it's truth. If you were the only one on earth, he would have died for you. That's the starting point, acknowledging what he did, forgiving us of our sins, and then saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I want to be, be that one. Whatever it takes, whatever you require of me, whatever sh- difficulties I may have to go through, coming to Jesus doesn't mean you're difficult free life. You have a difficult free life. doesn't mean there's that everything will go perfectly. But it means we have one who will direct our path. And I, as I prayed that prayer earlier, that wasn't necessarily something I had in mind, but as we were praying and standing up here, I, just, I, 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 I still remember so succinctly all those years ago and sitting in my college dorm room, confused and not having any peace and not knowing where my life was going. And just simply saying, I trust you. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to acknowledge you in all, the, all of my ways. And I didn't know what that meant even. But I began to learn what that meant. Okay, I trust you with my future. I trust you with whatever job you want me to have. I trust you in my relationships. I trust you. It didn't matter what it was. There was nothing 
there was, there was no situation where I couldn't put him in that equation and say, I'm going to trust you in this. Every situation, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. The uh, NIV version of that, which is typically what I study out of and teach out of, says, says and so somehow, so somehow, instead of whatever it takes, it just uses the word, and so somehow. Trusting him to figure, help us figure out what the somehow is. What do you require of me? What are you asking of me? When we opened our doors for the assistance center, we said, they said, how, how long can we do this? I said, don't even worry about it. However long, however long it takes, however long it takes for people's needs to be met, however long it takes, doesn't matter what else is going on in here, we've already shown that we can do multiple things at one time. You heard the announcements. Next Saturday, we got a women's brunch going on. We got a benefit going on. And this will still be going on. Whatever it takes. There was a time last week when our, when our uh, garbage bin, we now have a second bin out there, but our garbage bin was overloaded. And we didn't know when they were coming to empty it yet. So I jumped in. (laughs) Nick helped me out. I said, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And and I don't say that to boast. I don't say that. It's just, hey, whatever, whatever we have to do to get the job done. People have put in volunteer hours, long hours. I'm Vicky isn't in the room. Yes, she is now. Vicky's here at six a.m. and doesn't leave till nine or ten at night. And we can't, you know. I, I say, go home. No. It's just doing whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for us to be able to open these doors and say, come on in. And that's, whether you're from East Palestine or whether you're from the railroad, it doesn't matter. We're we're here to love whoever walks in the doors and care for them. The scriptures give us so many examples, and we're just going to share a few today, of people doing whatever it takes. And in Luke chapter 19, we look at this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and was wealthy, so he wanted real popular. <laughs> he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So 
so let's just let's just look at this story just for uh, this, this example just for a minute. What what did it take? What did it take? He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And he saw a tree. He thought, well, if I climb up that tree, because I'm short, I'm not going to be able to see over the crowd, I can see Jesus. And my question to you today is, what's it take for you to see Jesus? What's it take in 2023 for you to see Jesus? My hope, as we've opened the doors, that strangers have gotten to see Jesus just simply through simple gestures. What about you? What does it take for you to see Jesus? I know as I was first coming to know who he was, one of the things that I had to do to see Jesus was read my word. I had to find out. I, didn't, I knew of, of him. I grew up in church, but I didn't know him. But as I read, my, as I read the scriptures, I began to see Jesus. I got to see who, what his life was like. I got to see what his nature was like. I got to see who he was about. There's a lot going on in, in our culture today, and a lot of people are hearing about this Asbury uh, College rally and that uh, revival that's going on, and that's an amazing, amazing thing. And I, know that, and I know there's people that want to go there and are going there and have gone there, and that's an awesome thing if you get to do that. But let me tell you this, you do not have to go there to see Jesus. You know, uh, I got, a, got an amazing word from, from Bambi this week, and I, don't, I didn't print it out, but the, the essence of it was was, Lord, bring that revival here. And then the Lord corrected her and said, that revival is here. It may look differently. Anybody that's ever been a part of Abundant Life for any length of time, first of all, knows Abundant Life isn't like any other place. And I'm not saying that in any sort of boastful way. I'm saying that we've just always been uniquely built, uniquely made. And whatever revival may look like somewhere else, it'll probably look a little different here because we're different. Lord has set us up to be different. And at first... I used to wonder why, like, and almost like, why do we have to be different, you know? But now I'm like, we get to be different. <laughs> we get to be different. Still scriptural, still biblical, but we get to be uniquely us. And so, as, you know, as I look at crowds walking through the door every single day, I see revival, I see revival. Again, it may, may not, not be what we typically look at as revival, but, and I, and I love that Bambi showed, said that, that, that I'm saying, Lord, bring that, you know, let, let, it, let it look like that. And she's like, no, it doesn't have to look like that. The Holy Spirit corrected her, and she was willing to be corrected. So it doesn't have to be that way. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. If you want to see Jesus, What might it require of you? Ask yourself that question. Make that part of your prayer. For him, he had to climb a tree. And, and then, not only did he see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. He saw him. So, it, it, be, be careful, because because. There was a demand put on him. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
So in your search to see Jesus or to find Jesus, he may say, Ed, I want to come to your house today. He said, come on over. But ask yourself, what what does that mean, come to your house today? Is it just this physical structure? Or is is it this place right here? I want to come to your house today, and I want to live there. How do we respond to that? Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the, said to the Lord, Lord, look, look, uh, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount Jesus said to him. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. See, that's part of the message we get to give. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we get to, we get to point people to Jesus. And it, and it may through, be through words. It may be through prayer. We've, all, of, all of these things have happened in the last two weeks where we've gotten to pray with people, we've gotten to talk to people, we've also just got to be kind to people. The Scriptures tell us that it's His kindness that leads people to repentance. So simply being kind to someone can do more than we could ever think or imagine because the Lord has a bigger plan. There was a, there was a lady yesterday that uh, Sean Danks got to, got to help carry water to, and, and she had been here the day before. And, uh, and uh, for whatever reason, she, she felt compelled to tell him this, but she said to him, uh, I was here yesterday, and, uh, and I, I don't go to this church, but I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. And she said, yesterday when I was here, I didn't act like a woman of faith. But I had to, Lord, Lord, Lord checked me on it after I went home, and I had to come back and apologize for the way I spoke to people. Zacchaeus gets in the presence of Jesus, and suddenly he's saying, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times. In the presence of Jesus, if we're looking for Jesus, and we find him, and we come into his presence, he may ask us to do something. For this woman, I... I have no idea how that all came about, whether she was here, whether she was home, where, where this all happened. But she came to a place where she had to say, I spoke improperly yesterday to somebody. And I don't believe it was any of us. I think it was probably somebody in there. But she had to go find that person and apologize. Whatever it takes. In- The Gospel of Mark, we read, a few days later when Jesus again entered uh, Capernaum, people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So here he is in this place where there's lots of people, lots of people. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Is that an example of whatever it takes? We need to get this man to Jesus. And the only way we're able to do it is to put a hole in the roof. That took some effort. That took some confusion, some chaos. That took 
making a mess probably a little bit. Sometimes whatever it takes, is there might be a mess involved. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your, sons are, your sins are forgiven. So he didn't come to have his sins forgiven. He came to be healed. They brought him to him to be healed. But Jesus, first things first. Again, when we're looking for Jesus and we're looking to do something for Jesus, don't be surprised if he has a different plan in mind at first. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why, did this, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now here's, you know, this is another one of those examples that we reference around here a lot is there's this, this, this difference between the religious folk, just plain old religious folk. We're not, Jesus isn't interested in religious folk. He's interested in transformation. Who can forgive sins, they wondered. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Oh my goodness. Again, be careful when you're bringing somebody to Jesus that if Jesus is in the premises, he knows what's going on. He knows your thoughts. People on the sidelines judging and questioning and criticizing. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. So not only did he receive forgiveness of sins, but he was healed. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It took people making a on the spot, making a lot of decisions. Well, we got to get up on there, get up on the roof. We got to cut a hole in it. This was not something that happened quickly. But yet it happened. And Jesus did his thing in the middle of it. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, because Jesus is doing his thing in the middle of this. I don't begin to know what all that is, and I don't have to know. But he's doing a work. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. I believe we're experiencing some of that. I've never seen anything like some of what we're experiencing. In Luke, this is a two-parter, this scripture, not the message. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, okay, so somebody comes to make a request, come see my daughter, she's dying, we need Jesus on the scene. If you look at all of these examples, it's all about bringing someone to Jesus. It's all about... What, what, what does that require? Whatever it takes. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. So Jesus is on his way to do one thing. And while he's on his way to do that one thing, something else comes up. A woman who has a need for him 
because of a physical affliction, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But, Je- but Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. So, so let's just stop there for a minute. I know that power has gone out of me. So there's a crowd of people. He's on his way to something. Whatever it took, this woman is going to interrupt his journey, is going to fight her way through the crowd just to go up to her to put her hand on him because she had faith that if I can just touch him, this thing that I've been wanting healed of for so, so long, something's going to happen. I don't, you know, we don't have her, the whole, her whole thought life going on here, but we can deduce that she was determined to touch Jesus, or for his, in this case, just the hem of his garment. While he's in the middle of doing something else. What's awesome about Jesus is he didn't say, don't bother me, I'm on my way to go heal a little girl. But he did call her out. The woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then she said to her, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Her simple, her simple gesture, her simple action of doing whatever it took, whatever it took, interrupting the Savior who's in the middle of a journey, middle of, middle of going to do something else, fighting her way through the crowd, she did whatever it took to get to Jesus. The story doesn't end there. So it continues, uh, verse 49, when Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. This is where he was headed. This, is, was, this was his destination when he got interrupted by the woman who needed to touch him. The synagogue leader, the, the, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I included the last part of this, of this account for a reason because sometimes we think, well, Jesus has bigger things, bigger situations to work on than mine. No. I want every person in this room to know that your situation matters to him. Your situation, whatever it is, and and maybe it seems minor in the scope of things, but that doesn't matter. It can be some small thing going on in your life. Maybe there's nothing in particular. Maybe there's not even a crisis going on in your life or a difficulty going on in your life. But it doesn't mean he doesn't want you. It doesn't mean you don't need him. 
I spent 20 years of my life thinking, I did, I, well, I, did, I, did, I, did, I didn't know I needed him. I didn't know I had needed for him. Things were going very well for the most part. But I had questions. I had things I didn't understand. And it was in those moments, sitting in my college dorm room, where I said, I need you, Lord. I need you. I'm going to trust you. All these years later, I've ne- there's never been a day, never been a day, 40-some years of following Jesus now, that I've said, I'm going to go back and lean on my understanding because that works well. Whatever it takes. I believe we are in a moment of whatever it takes. And I believe in this, these mo- this moment, this time of whatever it takes. He's doing something with far-reaching impact. And that impact is only just beginning. Our goal in opening up our doors to the community isn't to say, hey, y'all come in, y'all have to come to Abundant Life Fellowship. That's not it. No, but 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 if we can help someone see Jesus for the first time, again, maybe it's through words, maybe it's through a prayer, maybe it's through carrying out a case of water. to ask yourself I want each of you to do this write it down put it on the refrigerator put it somewhere where you can see it Lord what are what are you requiring of me what does it mean for me to invite a stranger this word so I almost called this Invite the stranger, whatever it takes. Because it's so tied to our word. Most of you know I spent, spent the first 30 years of my life as in, in the newspaper business as a reporter and then an editor. This week I was on the other side of that, doing numerous interviews with, with media, uh, some local, some not local. And the question was always, "What are you guys doing here? What, what are you? What, why did why, why did Abundant Life open its doors?" And I, I told the story of how it unfolded. But inevitably, I would walk over to one of our flyers that's hanging in the lobby, and that flyer says, "Invite the stranger." And I would tell the account of how this word came about for us this year. And I said, "I can't. I cannot tell you what we're doing here without telling you this. This I cannot." 
because the Lord gave us this word for 2023, and a month into it, our building is inundated with strangers. We could never orchestrate that. Man is not smart enough. Man does not have enough foresight because obviously we didn't know this was going to happen. And I'm not suggesting in any way the Lord had any hand in causing it to happen. But He knew. I've said for a long time now that Abundant Life and I've, and I've encouraged us as a, as a people, you know we're, for years we, were here, we, we would hear, we're being prepared for this, we're being prepared for that, we're being prepared for this, we're being prepared for that. And I've, and I've said this more recently in the last couple of years, we are no longer in preparation mode, we are in go mode. We are in do mode. And whatever parts of the go mode and do mode that we think that we're not ready for, we'll figure it out as we get there. And we'll figure it out together. Some of you will remember uh, Brenda Burnside. Most of you will not. Brenda and Al Burnside. Uh, Most of you will not. They came to church here. They were part of the original church back in the day. And they live in West Virginia now. And uh, I posted various things just to let the public know, you know, that they come here and she responded a couple of times. But one of the things that uh, she posted the other day, uh, she responded to, to a picture that I had posted and she said, it's so good to see our church. Our church has not been here for 20 years. So good to see our church doing the work that Jesus called us to be. But it just, it blessed me so much that you know, they're part of another church in West Virginia. They, 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 but yet, all these years later, they're still a part of this work. And if you knew Brenda now, they were whatever it takes people. They are whatever it takes people. Something needs to be done, they're going to do it. Or they're going to figure out a way to do it. Or they're going to recruit people to help them do it. My prayer as we, as we go to prayer here is that we will always be whatever it takes people. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to pastor a body of people that I can say, here's what we're doing. And you say, okay, we're there. We have no idea how long this is going to go on. My, 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 my thought is that this is going to be a work that takes various, goes into various stages. That once the center is no longer here, the opportunities for us to love and care for people will not stop. The relationships we're making the need and the call for us to go out of here to some of those people. I believe we're building some relationships 
with people that live in other states, people from the, from the Norfolk Southern team. There's a lot of emotional upheaval because of this, and, and, and rightfully so. I'm not, not judging that in any way. But one of the things that we have been absolutely intentional about these two weeks is to speak of hope, to speak of life, to speak of encouragement, to feed nothing dealing with the flesh. And I don't think I really had to even say that because I feel it's part of who we are. But that's something that has been absolutely tangible to people who had never met us before and don't, under, don't understand fully but, uh, but greatly appreciate that this experience, as traumatic as it has been for, for many people and as difficult as it has been for many people, that coming into this building has been nothing but peaceful and nothing but life-affirming. whatever it takes for us to model that over and over and over and over again to whosoever will, to whosoever walks in the door. We're going to do it. Let's stand. Oh, I, I was in the kitchen just talking to a couple of the workers and I said, I just want to let you know that the whole church prayed for you guys this morning and we sang to you guys. You didn't know we were singing to you and praying for you. And he said, he said, I know he heard you because it's been a really easy morning for us. And he said, thank, he wanted me to personally tell you, thank you for, for praying specifically for the Norfolk Southern folks. So. We serve a mighty God. Amen. Somebody say, whatever it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever it takes. Look at the other neighbor and say, whatever it takes. If you need prayer this morning, come on down.